Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. We conclude the Freeze Lecture Series today on Scribble. Welcome to Scribble, 30 minutes of conversation, comments, and reviews on reading and writing, editing, publishing, and selling books. I'm Rebecca Wee. And I'm Don Wooten. Dr. Ashley Burge gave the final talk on Toni Morrison's Beloved. We'll ask her about it on Scribble. That is one tough book. I agree. <laughs> and that's why it makes it one of her best as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, is there an award she hasn't won? <laughs> True. Nobel, Pulitzer, National Book, a Presidential Medal, uh, yes. just one thing after another. Uh, Toni Morrison has really made an impact on yes. the world of literature in this yes. country. Yes. Yep. She's done a lot for the American literary canon itself and also just in the industry of publishing. When we talk about uh, Toni Morrison, we talk about somebody that has been both in front of the camera, as so to speak, and also behind. Like she started as an editor, and that's how she got her start. And her purpose was, first of all, to do justice to, you know, her art and the literature world, but also to bring uh, forth the voices of black women. So when you talk about Toni Morrison, you also talk about some of the people that she elevated in the 70s and 80s, like Angela Davis and Toni Cade Bambara and also Muhammad mm -hmm. Ali and people that she gave a pathway to publish their works and do yeah. things like that. So um, even before she started winning Pulitzers and Nobel Prizes, she was just carving a pathway yeah. for those marginalized and silenced voices, which makes her an icon in itself. But she went on to publish Beloved yeah. and do great yep. things with the work. But, you know, uh, Beloved, that's a tough book. Yes. It is tough in subject matter. It's tough in structure. Mm -hmm. And you wind up asking, who is Beloved? Is that a child? Is it a victim? Is it a ghost? Is mm -hmm. it a doppelganger? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and that's um, that is the crux or the conundrum of the book. So even when I teach the book in my courses, and when I was lecturing on the book, we talk about these larger than life is what they're called mm -hmm. characters, and how she like really gets to the heart of their interior lives. And sometimes we forget that the book is about beloved yeah. and how beloved influences these characters. And the question is, who is beloved? Is she a ghost? Is she a person? Yeah. Is she a daughter? Is she a sister? Who is she? And I believe the irony is it is, the question is, who are the characters when they're in her presence? And mm -hmm. that's the beauty mm -hmm. of the mythology of her presence in the work. How do you introduce this book to 
an audience, so for example, in the Freeze lecture series. So I introduced Beloved, um, the book, as um, one of the books that Morrison used to, first of all, it's a neo-slave narrative. That's how I generally start with these books in terms of the genre. So when we talk about a neo-slave narrative, we talk about a book that's echoing the slave narrative. So in terms of African-American literature, the origins in America, unfortunately, but rightly, starts with American slavery. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a Frederick Douglass and how he was an icon for his slave narrative, narrative, the uh, American slave, also a Harriet Jacobs. So when... In the 70s and 80s, we have black authors writing neo-slave narratives, which are evoking that past origin of African-American literature, but also erasing the silences of what was going on in the slave narratives and giving a voice to those people who were enslaved. Mm -hmm. So I always introduce the book in that way. So we understand how it fits in the canon. So when we talk about American slavery, it's intertwined with American history. It's intertwined with the lives of Americans in society and the trauma that yeah. happens in America when we talk about black people. So um, Beloved is an attempt to give voice to those people. Because when we talk about the institution of enslavement, it becomes an institution that's a void, that mm. we forget that there were actual human bodies and people and complex individuals. It becomes this all-consuming system, and we don't think about the people. Mm -hmm. What Morrison does with Beloved is, first of all, it's magical realism. So it is an engaging work in terms of how fiction and horror works, because it is a horror work as well. It's all that unsettling. It's disturbing. It's that graphic. Mm -hmm. So it's a horror book as well. But she also humanizes these individuals so we actually know the horrors and the trauma and we can mourn with black people who went through like American slavery. So that's, that's the foundation um, that I started with in terms of the lecture. Don't you think uh, many people turn away from slavery because they don't want to acknowledge the sheer brutality of it? True. I agree. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that she brings to the forefront in this. She wants American society, her reader, the American populace, to deal with this trauma and this history, Um, which in terms of interpretation, we can say that Beloved represents that haunting of American slavery, how it's always hovering. Mm -hmm. And it's always hovering and it's always reminiscent of, you know, that trauma because American society has not dealt with it. Um, So she wants, she's forcing her reader to engage with that trauma through Mm -hmm. Beloved. You know, there must be something akin to what Germans went through when they finally had to acknowledge the Holocaust. Yes, I agree. Uh, and that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to pretend that didn't happen in the same way that right. there are still plenty of people in our country who will say, oh, come on, we fixed we, yeah. we fixed the race stuff. We had a black president. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what's everybody complaining about? This isn't even so, close to being fixed. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that uh, interested me is I've said so often to the point of tedium, I suppose, of growing up as a Southerner and waking up to the reality of race as a child, mm-hmm. I 
found it hard to accept that uh, <clears throat> people could so casually treat others so brutally that yep. you could kill somebody and get away with it, no yep. problem. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you think, no, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. But it was possible. Oh, yes. And the things that happen in Beloved are no exaggeration. No. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why, um, so Morrison is on the banned book list in terms of mm-hmm. nationally. Several yeah. of her books have been banned because um, it's it's really odd. American history seems to be too traumatic yeah. for contemporary Americans, yeah. even though it's their own history. Um, so we have an erasure that's going on with American history and the things yep. that we have dealt with, uh, similar to some of the things that you mentioned about the Holocaust. And um, she, once again, she forces her readers to deal with this and acknowledge mm-hmm. this. And and it's this this book is so timely because, once again, this was written in 1987, and we think about what's going on with racial relations in 2022 and how there's still this erasure of yeah. American history with critical race theory and how there's so many states that are banning K through 12 from yeah. reading and acknowledging books like Beloved yeah. because what the history is too traumatic, but it is our history yep. and we need to deal with it and we need to acknowledge it. And the flip side of it is we don't need to romanticize it. Yeah, That's another thing. People are okay with us romanticizing whatever went on with mm-hmm. American slavery. This is no romantic yep. like yep. portrayal of this is not the mammy figure and yep. the wide smile and the white family and the mammy. And that's mm-hmm. not this. This is the traumas of black women and black men who had to deal with the horrors of this institution that were real. And she makes it tangible. And when I was growing up, <coughs> when I was growing up, the movies about the South always had contented black people. Oh, yeah. You know, yes. working quietly, singing songs, and yes. so on. Yes. <clears throat> they didn't talk about what happened, mm-hmm. the reality of what happened every day. Every day. And yeah. how lightly life was held. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, but you know, it's not just slavery. The more you look into history, and particularly English history, what is it about the English that's so brutal? Uh, but their reign around the world was incredibly brutal, and yet they were very cultured people. We tried to wipe out the native population of this country as yeah, we moved west, people. Mm-hmm. pretty much without apology. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, you can't overlook stuff like that. No, no. Well, you can't move anywhere. You can't go forward. I'm curious about when you first read it, did it, was it, what was it like the first time that you? So let me preface this by saying, yeah, Morrison has said in interviews and also in the book that she wrote the book in the way to emboss trauma. So the reader can feel like they were as confused as captured. Oh, sure. It. sure. Yeah. So the first time I read this book was actually in graduate school. Um, I was a Toni Morrison lover forever. But mm-hmm. I had not read Beloved. I had read The Blue Eye. Yeah. I had read Sula. I loved both of those. Um, the Blue Eye was by far the my favorite. I read mm-hmm. The Blue Eye at 13. And I don't know, it was just impactful. So I didn't read Beloved until I was in graduate school. I was I had started my master's. And 
I just remember being, first of all, I felt like it was a difficult book. I yeah. felt like it was challenging. Yeah. I wanted to put it down. But also, <laughs> I just felt like the way that she was writing these characters and how they were so, like, their human emotion yeah. and what they were going through and their the the emotions that she was able to create with them were so real, realer than yeah. the bluest eye. Yeah. Um, Sula is also... Once again, these are my top. Like, Beloved now is my number one. But before I read Beloved, Blue Aside was my top and then Sula. Now this is undoubtedly number one. Uh, Upon my second reading, it really just hit home. Yeah. Like, um, the genius of the ghost Mm -hmm. hit home for me. And how this ghost represents so many different things for these characters Mm -hmm. and how the ghost actually represents also a resolve, but also the chaos that these people are dealing with in their lives. So um, my first reading was probably similar to a lot of people's first reading. Even when I did the freeze lecture, I had um, several women um, that were, that came up one guy, it was a one man too. It was a mixed crowd, but I had two women specifically that came up and said, one of them said, you know, I started reading it, but I put it down Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, after this, I'm going to read it again. And another woman said that it was on her, she had read it and loved it, but she had, she was going to put it on her um, book list for her book club because I mean, new things were coming up. Yeah. Even with the questions from the audience, the audience had amazing questions. So like all of these ideas were just uh, circling around the, in the, the room, room. Yeah. and people were invigorated about reading it again. Oh, that's great. So yeah, it was a challenge. But I'm, I'm curious about your first reading too, because I'm always interested in how yeah. other people perceive it. <clears throat> I think I had something similar to what you're describing. You know, I, I, I had also read The Bluest Eye, loved it. Um, Beloved, when did it come into my existence. I think probably it was grad school too, mm-hmm. or around that time. And yeah, it was hard and it was painful. Yeah. But I, I suppose in a, in a weird, maybe useful way, I'm drawn to that. That's why poetry of witness <laughs> yes. and poetry about the Holocaust and Native mm-hmm. American experience, it just feels more important somehow mm-hmm. than something that is happier maybe yes mm-hmm. um so i i i mean i'm interested in you saying that rereading is so important yes i mean we're trying always to teach our students that how important it is to mm-hmm. reread because you will notice different things right. or you're in a different stage of your life or something right. you know when when you're finally kind of ready for it mm-hmm. so i think it took me several readings not not because I was very moved by it, but it hurt, you know. And so that was, I think, probably a pretty common experience. Yes. Um, But I couldn't stop thinking about it. And when that happens, Mm -hmm. you kind of can't. You have to go back to it. Right. Great deal of puzzlement uh, as to what was going on and how all this was hanging together. Mm -hmm. Let me bring, let me go aside to another book Mm -hmm. that startled me. Mm -hmm. Uh, what was it, two or three years ago? Barracoon. Barracoon. Barracoon yes, by... by Nora, Zora Neale Thurston. Zora Neale Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What she did years ago, she went down to interview a man who was the last survivor of the last boatload of slaves brought mm-hmm. to this country. Yes. And she just sat down and talked to him. Mm-hmm. 
and she wrote it up, and they refused to publish it mm-hmm. because she wrote it the way she heard it in his thick accent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I found it one of the most moving things I'd encountered yeah. because here was a guy who was on the verge of manhood in Africa, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. 15. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Suddenly his life is upended. Yep. He comes to this country. He's had to make an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And hearing him talk about the things that happened to him, that occurred to him, mm-hmm. I thought everybody ought to read this book. Yeah. It was only mm-hmm. now that they agreed to publish it as it sounded to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a valuable book. Yes. It's not, <clears throat> doesn't have the depth of Beloved. It doesn't have the interesting twists and turns, the way Beloved herself mm-hmm. shifts through time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is a direct a direct comment from someone who lived through this. Yeah. Yes, in, mm-hmm. in their and own words. Early mm-hmm. life in Africa mm-hmm. and then went through slavery. Mm-hmm. And uh, he died not long after he gave her this narrative. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. To get authenticity. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. When yes. dealing with slavery. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, that's why I started with the idea of, which is once again why Barracoon is so important in terms of the canon of African American literature. Like African American literature did start with the first person narrative and it was intertwined with slavery. And it's it's unfortunate that that had to be the first creative expression of black people in America. Yeah. And we also have to include in there people like Phyllis Wheatley, yep. who was a poet yep. and Absolutely. was a Puritan poet. Um, so, I mean, we have those variations, but the major um, creative expression and also pragmatic expression in terms of abolitionist text were the slave narratives. So even this first person, like Zora Neale Hurston, in her own right, an icon. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their eyes were watching God, Mule Bone, um, yeah. just really good works. So, I mean, that this came out so late is once again a testament to how we're not dealing with the history correctly, well, um, adequately or effectively. And that it takes, wasn't it Alice Walker who kind of went yes. in search? Zora Neale yes. Hurston had been one of her heroes, and she mm-hmm. went in search of her grave and her story. Right. Yes. And because the color purple made such a splash when yes. it did, then, mm-hmm. you know, she, yeah, I think what you were saying about needing those voices to yes. sort of care enough to, to right. rediscover or discover mm-hmm. for the first time and introduce, because yes. that's, I think that's how I found Zora Neale Hurston was that I was reading. You know, yeah. The problem is, in a diverse society, which we have proclaimed to be, even though we try not to be. But, you know, when you have great diversity in the country, it seems as if every segment is elbowing its way to get to the front mm-hmm. and or to be heard. And uh, people find it hard to do that. And that's why you get all, it's not just slave narratives and stories about slavery but also Native Americans, their experiences. Mm -hmm. And those who have come to this country now from African nations or Asian nations where they form a a small pool of people Mm -hmm. in a town. Mm. And trying to fit all that into one government 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going through we're going through a hellish experience now mm-hmm. of division. And right now the division in the public mind is between two major political parties. But the divisions within those parties and the divisions yeah. within the country, yeah. if we cannot cheerfully accept differences, cheerfully accept differences and admit sins, a nice thing about confession and Catholicism is you confess. You said, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And you are told you're forgiven. And the lifting of your spirit after that is terrific. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. confessing is hard. Yeah, especially if it has to come from a perpetrator. And, you know, when you think about this country, yeah, built on slavery, built on geno- uh, sort of trying to wipe out the indigenous population and... We don't—I I didn't learn anything about Native American history when I was in school, and, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't taught. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember sort of learning that there was a Indian reservation near where my family had a cabin and kind of mm-hmm. asking my parents, what is it? You know, mm-hmm. why do they have to live there? What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we are—well, so the whole— point of the book for you really as as a reader as a teacher as as the lecturer is a kind of awakening right a kind of yes and Mm -hmm. painful but Mm -hmm. but authentic as you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. um and it sounds like the freeze audience was kind of in step with with that? Yes. You I was they, uh, so very, and first of all, anytime you do these things, you're very nervous. I'm yeah. always very nervous. I was extremely nervous about the freeze lecture. Um, but just to, to lecture on it and then to see engagement yeah. and to see yep. like happy, smiling faces and yeah. to see yeah. like people coming up to me and saying, you know, just giving me really good encouragement and talking about the book and wanting to take pictures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that that was fun. It was that was the highlight of my week. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a really good experience. And um, uh, connecting to this idea of an awakening, awakening. I mean, this book will awaken you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so any type of voice that I can give for other people to be a part of that awakening that yeah. we know that it it does. Yes. Because, I mean, even for if, if we're talking about an awakening, these characters have to go through an awakening as well. Yeah. Because they're numb. They're going yep. through the the traumas of life in this very rote. Yeah. Like, she uses location really well in here, talking about circling, talking about, you know, his coming was the... Reverse of his going. So, I mean, she's talking about, like, this cyclical routine thing that we're going in and how, at a point, these characters are awakened from that. Yeah. And yep. it puts them on a process of healing. Um, so anytime that awakening can happen, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And I think um, Morrison's, a lot of Morrison's books can work like this, but I think this definitely is one yeah. that awakens us from, like, the erasure, the romanticization of... Yeah like marginalization in American society and all of those well, when, things. When you, <clears throat> when you reach a point where a mother is ready to kill her children, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's tough. It's tough. <laughs> it is tough. Yeah. So that is the moral ambiguity of this book, this tragic act that is read and interpreted so many different yeah. ways 
and how people are just at an impasse to articulate Mm -hmm. how we feel about this. And this is once again, one of the engagements of the book. Morrison forces you to deal with your own constructions of maternity and motherhood and mother love. So it, uh, the infanticide goes against the order of human life. Like in terms of a mother and her child, it goes against all that we can fathom about that bond. Yep. However, I mean, one interpretation that I aligned with is the infanticide was a type of mothering. Yeah. It was a type of protection. Yep. Um, if we talk about Orlando Patterson's uh, slavery and social death, he talked about how in terms of American slavery in every in every formation of this institution, it was death yeah. to yeah. West Africans and African-American people. So, I mean, one reading could be, I mean... If Setha had allowed this child to live, this was a death sentence yeah. for this child. Yeah. And this type of infanticide, however we want to read it in various, you know, communities yep. or whatever, yep. it was a form of liberation. Yeah. Um, you just take a blow, a blow to, the, to the head when you read it. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, it's tough. Especially if you're not expecting it. Yeah. When I read yeah. this, I was not expecting it. My students, um, several of my students, which is a good thing. Yeah. Some high school teachers are putting them. They Teaching don't understand them. the book. Right. Most of them who come in my class. But they know about the infanticide. <coughs> so a book like this never crossed my path while I was in high yeah. school. And so yep. the first time I read the book at, what, 22 or yeah. something like that, 23 when I was in grad school. No, I was not expecting the infanticide. So, yes, it did knock me out. I was like, wow. Yeah. But also understanding, like, what choice was she to make when there is no choice? Yeah. Like, what choice would you have made? I don't have children. So it's hard for me to, even as deeply as some, Mm -hmm. think about this act and think about this mother who, her love is proven in the work. We know that Setha loves her children. Yeah. Um. But for her to engage in this tragic act, we have to think about, you know. Look what happened to some others and and they're burned alive. Yes. It's just, it's horrible. Yes. It's horrible. And yet it's, in a sense, it is true because these things happen. It's a work of fiction. But there isn't a thing in that book that you can't find in real life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. What Morrison does is just fills in the gaps. Yeah. That's what she does. Like she adds the human element to the research that we already know that and, happened in American slavery. And as you mentioned earlier, just female experience. You yes. know, when we're talking about who isn't represented or hasn't been represented through history. Yes. Women's voices um, weren't there for no. a long mm-hmm. time. Long time. Well, it must have been a heck of a presentation. I hope so. I mean, I I was very, like, just invigorated by the crowd. Um, just ve- really open. Um, and this does not happen at all presentations. So I no, want to put that right. out there. But, no, I was. it was literally the highlight of my week because when you have things like this, I was nervous all week. I was dreading it all week. Excited yeah, to talk yeah. about the book. I was excited to talk about the book. Right. But dealing with audiences, you never know what's going to happen. Yep. It was a very welcoming audience. Um, just very 
just open. They were very open. Had good things to say about the book. Excellent. Good things to say about the, Augustana. Did you pick the book yourself? Or I did. did. Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. I knew I wanted to. Yes. When uh, Kai Swanson sent an email to the English department about this, um, I mean, first of all, I thought it was a great opportunity. And then I thought it was a great opportunity to talk about the book outside yeah. of my classrooms. So, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I must say it's been very interesting to talk to you today, and we're grateful you've taken the time. It's a privilege to come. Thank you for the invitation. Um, Rebecca asked me about it, and I got nervous like I always do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, but she, I, I'm, I'm. thank you for the invitation to no, talk, come speak pleasure. with you and your audience. Dr. Ashley Burge, it's been a privilege. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that'll do it for this edition of Scribble. Rebecca, we and I will be back next week, and we hope you will too as we keep right on scribbling.